All rise. Nope, just kidding. <laughs> There's no good way for me or you or anyone who is white to say chihu and sound cool. Hey, brother. Hey, let's go, coops. <laughs> I love that. How dare you interrupt my Seahawks thing with a Cowboys reference? Well, I was calculating. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Cannot wait for this next segment because it features one of our favorite people to ever grace the desk here in Studio B. He is the current offensive coordinator for Troy University. Ryan Pugh, back on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline via Zoom. Ryan, it is reuniting time, and it feels so good. How are you, man? I'm doing great, guys. It's so good to be back. Uh, See, you guys are just picking up where I left off. (laughs) (laughs) We're trying, man. We're we're doing our best here in studio. Uh, Do you miss us as much as we miss you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I enjoyed it. All the times that and opportunities I got to come on your show and and that experience alone uh, for any coach, any player, uh, it's definitely unique to BYU. And it's something that I think is not only helped me in my career, but just in general as person and and dealing with any type of media and and being able to go live is always um, it's always fun. Well, you were here for the one year in 2018 as the offensive line coach, and I thought, ah, I really hope we can keep Ryan for at least one more year. Um, you, you bounced for an awesome opportunity at Troy as the offensive coordinator and the offensive line coach. And, and the reason is, one, you're from Alabama, but two, you have a, a deep connection with Chip Lindsey and I think your dad and Alabama high school football, right? That's right. Uh, Chip and I uh, met my senior year of high school, uh, I was leaving, graduating, headed to Auburn when he came in to Hoover High School as the offensive coordinator. And then uh, I think he stayed one year at Hoover High School. Then he goes to Lasseter High School in, in Marietta, Georgia. My dad had retired in the state of Alabama after um, 25, 27 years. And Chip asked him to go with him. And so dad went with him and we linked back up. He followed me. I was, we had just got let go at Auburn in 2012 and he goes in 2013. Um, and then here we are today, just great relationship, great friendship um, over the years. And, and just really thankful to him for the opportunity he's given me. One game down, you take care of Middle Tennessee 47-14 as the offensive coordinator. Now you get to face BYU. What is this week like emotionally as you prepare for BYU and to reunite with several of your former staff members and guys that you recruited? I think there's a a lot of different emotions. I've felt them, you know, sporadically throughout the few months that we've been leading up to this game, really hoping that, we can keep everything healthy, keep both teams healthy, get to the game on Saturday. Those emotions, uh, the emotions of seeing uh, coaches and players that you've worked with before and coached, and also my players. There are a lot of my guys are asking me and the coaching staff asking me about BYU. Um, you know, that just brings back a lot of really good memories for us um, as a family and then me as a coach, but really just focused on um, – our game plan here at Troy, trying not to get caught up in the emotions of the game. Uh, certainly it's going to be an exciting day for myself and our team coming up there. 
Obviously, the connection with uh, Jeff Grimes is a strong one. Uh, he coached you at Auburn, and you were together at other stops uh, on the way with Jeff, leading to this point, including BYU here. In fact, uh, Gregor Bell asked Jeff Grimes yesterday on Coordinator's Corner about you. And the Trojans' OC, Coach Jeff Grimes, is your former protege and good buddy, Ryan Pugh. Um, not my good buddy this week. <laughs> <laughs> Are you equally not his good buddy this week, Brian? I guess so. You know, I didn't get that vibe from him, but I see that he is he's definitely kicked me to the curb this week. Uh, I guess I'll block his phone number now so that he can't reach out to me, talk to me at all. You know, if he if he wants to play hardball, I guess we can play hardball. I'm gonna try to maintain our friendship through this game, but yeah, I see that him taking the first shot. I'm, I'm now on the defensive side of the, the conversation here. So, but no, I think obviously I hope and, and know that he's being, being facetious. I think that it's obviously in jest. And then we're just, for us, it, it is an, I guess not an awkward time, but it's definitely a time where um, you can have some cat and mouse. You can have uh just normal conversation and we talk so regularly anyways that this week is probably going to be no different but understanding there's a focus and a game at the end of the week that we're going to be on opposing sidelines for the first time in our career and I think that's going to be something obviously that's going to bring a lot of emotion to the game is it going to be weird that you are calling plays for one team and he is calling plays for the other on offense this is this is pretty wild right yeah, it, it's definitely something I've thought about. Obviously, um, we're excited to, to come up there and feel good about our team here at Troy. Uh, feel like their opportunity to match up well with BYU. Um, BYU looked great in the first game against Navy. Um, having known a lot of those guys on that side of the ball, I think that helps in our preparation. But at the same time, a lot of new faces that um, were there but maybe didn't get to play. Uh, when when I was coaching there, and certainly um, they're going to be ever-changing, evolving as a defense. I think you can see that in the first week and just really uh, impressed by the defense just watching the Navy game. When you watched what BYU's offensive line did against Navy, what kind of emotions were you experiencing because of the ties you have, not just with Jeff, just with Jeff Grimes, but with guys that you coached in 2018? Well, I didn't even watch the offense, so I just turned the television off when the offense went on the field so I didn't have to talk to Jeff about how the <laughs> offensive line did. Um, no, I'm kidding. They look good. You know, that was it was fun to see how those guys have grown and, and matured as players and come together as a unit. Obviously, I mean, most all of those players played for us uh, in 2018 when I was there, and so um, certainly was excited to see the success they've had and, and really – now that they're hopefully healthy, um, you know, ready to go this week. Let's talk about your offense. Obviously, uh, Gunnar Watson uh, had, a, had a nice game, uh, the sophomore quarterback. Khalil McClain, really impressive, multiple touchdowns. B.J. Smith back after uh, an injury that he only played in two games last year at running back. Tell us about your offense, your style, some of the playmakers to watch. I think at Troy, we want to be explosive first and foremost. We want to be able to push the ball vertically down the field in the passing game, um, stretch the field horizontally, make the defense play every inch of space on the field. Um, we want to play with good tempo. We want to play mistake-free. Obviously, we want to be able to get our quarterback in the best situation to throw the football down the field. Um, but 
really our whole focus goes around getting the ball, like you said, in playmakers' hands. And so we're going to identify the guys for us uh, that can make plays on offense and get them in as much space um, as possible, as, as often as possible. And so that's certainly our, our MO and what we do on offense. You, you already talked about Khalil McLean and B.J. Smith. I think Kalen Geiger, Reggie Todd, Trey Eford, those guys, uh, Kamani Vidal, all the weapons on offense that, that we have and that are returning from last year, um, I think that's what's exciting. And then Gunner being able to get his first career start last week on the road uh, was a big was a big deal for him and, and our football team. And he showed some really some good toughness there. And, and we had some youth up front um, as far as experience goes. Um, those guys being able to get their first start. So it, a lot to build on. It's always easier to build on things uh, after a win but certainly got plenty to, to correct, plenty to get better at on offense. And we're, we're excited about the challenge we have this week ahead of us uh, with BYU's defense. And I think our, our young men, they'll be prepared um, and, and they'll be excited to go when they get there. We're talking with Troy Offensive Coordinator Ryan Pugh on BYU Sports Nation. You mentioned the BYU defense. What is the most challenging thing about facing BYU's defense after you watch film and because you have some background on what they do? I think the the biggest thing is they're always in position. Uh, They play extremely hard. They're physical, uh, no doubt about that. Having known those guys, you understand their athletic abilities and and their skill sets, and you understand when you watch the tape um, what Coach Tuyaki, Coach Lamb, Coach Satake, all those guys, Preston, Gennaro, what they're doing to try to play to their strengths. I think they do an unbelievable job of playing to their strengths on defense, um, understanding the challenge we have in front of us, but just the physicality in which they play, the the speed that you saw on the field on, on Labor Day night when they played Navy, seeing those guys really disciplined football, man. They, they're, not, they're not out of position. You don't see a lot of uh, mistakes by them. They get lined up well, and they rotate a lot of guys in there. You know, that's the thing. There's a lot of depth. Uh, on that defense and certainly is going to be a tremendous challenge for us, but um, we'll be up to it. On the Troy side defensively, 106 takeaways since 2016 is second in the country during that span. What is it about this Troy defense that is so good? They they are a lot like us on offense and and on defense, very opportunistic, very uh, try to limit the big plays, um, use play to our strengths, use our speed on defense um, really be sound. And then I think our, our defensive coordinator, Brandon Hall, and, and all of our assistant coaches on defense, they do a great job of emphasizing the importance of taking the ball away and getting the ball back for us on offense. I think that's huge. When you can win the turnover margin each week, you're going to have an opportunity uh, to win the field position, and then that's going to lead to more wins and on the scoreboard. And so just playing team football, defense playing off of the offense, and the offense playing off the defense, because we all know that we would love to score – Uh, 47-plus points every week and have our defense score uh, as well and play great on special teams. But there's going to be those games where one side of the ball is struggling and we got to pick up the slack for them or they've got to pick up the slack for us. And so uh, just continuing to play team football but play with a lot of great energy. I think that's the thing um, that's going to be so exciting uh, Saturday night when we come up to BYU and Provo. Uh, You saw a team that played against Navy that had to bring their own energy with no one in the stands, and they did a tremendous job of that. And very similar situation for us last week um, at, in Murfreesboro, playing Middle Tennessee, a reduced capacity. Um, 
you know, I joke with my guys, friends and family only. And so it's, um, you get, you've got to bring a lot of energy and, and sometimes that's easy to do when you get a lead, when you get ahead. Um, and, and you can really be positive about everything, but I think when adversity strikes and how we respond to that and continuing to fight through with such positive energy and, and great leadership from our team and coaching staff, um, that's going to be a, a really fun atmosphere to see uh, two teams whose programs are really energetic on the sidelines. Ryan, what a great opportunity we've had to catch up with you. Uh, always nice to talk. I hope you know that outside of this week, we're the biggest Troy fans like Jeff Grimes. And uh, we wish the best to you, your wife, your two kids, uh, health and safety. And can't wait to see you in Provo, man. Well, I appreciate you guys. And if you guys want to do a pregame radio show, the last time I did that was against Wisconsin, as you guys know. And so if, if we can pull that off in Provo this week to set us up for some great success Saturday night, that would be wonderful. I'd love to catch up with you guys. <laughs> Not this week, brother. Not this week. <laughs> hey, great hey, stuff, man. It's all right. I, I'm a BYU fan every other week except this week as well, man. Right on. We love it. Tell you, we'll see you in Provo. Safe travels. See you guys. Appreciate it. Ryan Pugh on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. He's great. Like, there, there have been a lot of coaches who come through and we establish relationships, or not. Um, but with Ryan, we established a strong one. He was great, man. And they scored 17 points off those turnovers, by the way, last week. They yeah, awesome. it's one thing to create turnovers. It's another to turn those into points. Right. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. We are tracking Cougar opponents on a Monday presented by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. Okay, remember how Navy didn't tackle anybody and then they got blown out against BYU? Well, they bounced back because they were down 24-0 at halftime and they said, you know what, enough is enough. We're the Navy. Let's go. Uh, They scored 27 straight points, including a walk-off field goal to win it. Uh, against Tulane on the road. Big win for Navy. Congratulations. That helped BYU uh, go up in the polls. Next up, bye week, then Air Force on October 3rd. Air Force has been able to prepare for Navy this whole time. The Commander-in-Chief's trophy will be played for in 2020. Well, we'll see. They need to kick off first. I, uh, this is how I'm approaching it. Oh, yeah, we're playing. Well, when we kick off, that's when we're playing. There's some uh, real validity to that. Houston mindset. and Baylor were supposed to play a game, and they we'll get to it, but... And they didn't. Troy opened their season at Middle Tennessee and did so in dominating fashion, 47-14, albeit facing a less than formidable Blue Raiders team. They're so bad. Troy outscored MTSU 33-0 in the second and third quarters alone. How dare you use a soccer pun? Said that one baseball fan on BYU TV on Twitter to you a few years ago. Troy receiving a vote in the top 25, number 39, Jerem. Okay. They travel to Provo on Saturday for BYU's home opener, a battle of unbeatens. Okay, we'll break it down this week, but Ryan Pugh, former BYU offensive line coach for a year, two years ago, is the OC at Troy. They do a nice job on offense, dude. I really like their creativity. McLean, their receiver, was really good. Smith is a 1,000-yard back that's joining them from yeah. an ACL tear uh, last year where he only played two games. Quarterback has some experience, so... They're they're sneaky. Yes. Like Troy is sneaky, man. I BYU opened as a sixteen point favorite, by the way. I think it's too much. Down to fourteen. That's uh, more I'm, like it. I'm not yeah, I'm not in the seventeen plus category on this one, but I do think BYU should win by double digits. Okay, Louisiana Tech beat Southern Miss. Dramatic fashion. This is one of the most incredible finishes to any game I've ever seen. Fourth and goal. 
Griffin Hebert with 16 seconds left touches a toe down in the back of the end zone to tie the game. PAT won at 31-30. Bulldogs host Houston Baptist at home Friday night. That was wild. Is it A-Bear like Bobby A-Bear? Maybe it's A-Bear. Regardless, it was an amazing catch. Hebert. I like that more. <laughs> Louisiana Tech. Be undefeated when you come to Pro Bowl on October 2nd. All BYU does is host undefeated teams. And guess what? BYU is going to host an undefeated UTSA team as well. Because their schedule's not getting any tougher. <laughs> BYU's going to fly. Listen to this. There's a real shot that BYU's first five games could happen against unbeaten teams. <laughs> yes, and the college football playoff will be like, listen. Listen, they've beaten all undefeated teams. And they're like, who'd they beat? That doesn't matter. Don't worry about no, it. Seriously, Troy, Louisiana Tech, UTSA, and Houston. The next four opponents very well could Houston's, be unbeaten opponents. Houston's beaten without playing a game, <laughs> which we'll get to in a moment. UTSA rallies. They had to rally, but they did it. They beat Stephen F. Austin 24-10. They had to rally against Stephen F. Austin. down early. One man. The Roadrunners, now 2-0, received votes in the AP poll for the first time in program history. Two votes, to be exact. They're number 38 for those counting. UTSA will host 0-2 Middle Tennessee State on Friday and win by 17-plus. Yes, they will. Thank you for jumping on the bandwagon. Um, UTSA is fun because Frank Harris threw for 269, ran for 104 as well. So uh, some real versatility there on the quarterback. End. UTSA was supposed to play Memphis, but Memphis is still struggling with their COVID party bus rumor situation. The Preble party kids went there too? So UTSA is like, hey, Middle <laughs> Tennessee, you have an opening you want to play? And they're playing. Okay, Houston, we've teased it. Had its second game postponed or canceled due to COVID at Baylor. This time it was Baylor's fault. Uh, the Red Cougars host North Texas Saturday in the season opener. Houston needs to be good for BYU. They... They're probably the best team on the schedule. So Houston needs to do something. And by something, I mean play a game and win. Yes, please. The Texas State Armadillos. Oh, I'm sorry. That's from the movie Unnecessary. <laughs> nice. The Texas State Bobcats get their first win of the season, 38-17 over Louisiana Monroe. The Warhawks, dude. That's one of the best in FBI. It really is. The Bobcats 1-2. and two. They lost to SMU and lost a heartbreaker in double overtime to UTSA. Yes but get the win against the Warhawks. They play at Boston College on Saturday. Western Kentucky drops to 0-2. They lost 30-24 to Liberty in idea. The Hilltoppers look to beat up on Middle Tennessee, who apparently is playing <laughs> everyone in FBS this season but BYU on October 3rd. Middle Tennessee plays Troy twice. That's fun. Who, who was it? Was it Liberty, New Mexico State played twice? Two yes. years ago or something? Yes. A home and hey, road in the same listen, season. Listen, if BYU needs quantity, that's not out of the question. They could play someone twice. Why not play Liberty? Why is Liberty dodging BYU? I don't know that they are. North the, Alabama. Things got weird at Liberty over the summer. I'm not sure BYU wanted to play that game. Who knows? Who knows? North Alabama will wait another week for opening their season against Liberty of all I, teams. Listen, there's a connective tissue here between Middle Tennessee and Liberty. They are the, the seamstress of FPS. <laughs> and Army, while not playing this week, remained 22 in the AP poll. We'll see if that game gets rescheduled. Yeah, we're going to we're going to include Army in this until they're officially off the schedule. But great, they're officially off for me. A great point brought up by Andy Schmickle is his name at goalie. Andy LAX. what? Schmickle. Schmickle. Yes. Not Smickle. No. Nope. Schmickle. Schmickle. Okay. Okay. I like that. Army going to be all over getting UMass on the schedule, so they have an excuse for ducking BYU. <laughs> nice. Hey, maybe they do. 
approach the second game of the 2020 BYU football season, a Saturday night showdown with Troy. Our Top 5 Tuesday looks back at the greatest second games in BYU football history. No one else will give you this list, I promise you. There are some classics, so let's count them down. Top 5 Tuesday presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. Numero 5, 2019, last year at Tennessee. Oh my gosh, BYU trying to avoid no one to start. For the first time since 95, third down and six from the 20-yard line. 18 seconds left, Zach Wilson! Find this guy! Micah Simon, 64 yards, sets up a game-tying field goal to get to OT. Jake Oldroyd gets out of his pitch and gets it in. Into OT we go. BYU ties it. And then in double OT. Into the end zone! Tyson Williams, the South Carolina Gamecock, who had already played there before, wins it for the Cougars. At number four, after an almost two-hour lightning-slash-weather delay, the hand of Voldemort came into the Velvet Stadium. <laughs> Taysom Hill on the BYU offense set the Texas defense on fire and got defensive coordinator Manny Diaz fired. He's at Miami now. He's all good. Blazing their way to 550 rushing yards, a record. Hill led the way with 259 on the ground. Jamal Williams added a cool 182. The Cougars running away with this game, 40 to 21, upsetting the 16th ranked Longhorns. Number three, a week after the Hail Mary at Nebraska in 2015, the Cougars hosted number 20 Boise State, down three, 38 yards away, fourth and seven, 51 seconds left. Tanner Mangum finds Mitchell Jurgens that that time, and then later Kainakua. Okay, this is the play, fourth and seven. We've seen this before. Mitchell Jurgens for the touchdown to go ahead. Then Kainakua with the ultimate exclamation point. Pick six, his third pick of the day. To the house where mom keeps the cookies. And BYU takes down Boise State. It's so loud and so amazing. At number two, the Texas two-step. Rewind to 2014 when BYU made the trip out to Austin. This was supposed to be the vengeance game for the Longhorns. <laughs> Any hopes Texas had in shutting down Taysom Hill did not happen. BYU blowing out 25th-ranked Texas for a second year in a row behind three rushing touchdowns from Hill. BYU raced out to a 34-0 lead in the second half. Domination. This game, of course, delivered one of the great images for BYU football when Taysom Hill leaped his way into the end zone. Oh, it's so good. Whee! And at number one, a no-brainer, BYU beats number one Miami in 1990, helping Ty Detmer to the Heisman later that season. The Cougars were number 16. 406 passing yards, three touchdowns from Detmer. The Cougars took a 28-21 lead in the third, then had two takeaways in the fourth. Ty Detmer told us he rushed to the locker room, hoping to not miss Lavelle Edwards' speech after. No one was in the locker room. (laughs) This is the best win in BYU history. Miami finished a top three team that year. How about that? The top five second game no one. of the season. No one will do that. We're the only people who will do that list. I promise you that. What special things lie in store for, for Saturday night against Troy? Yeah. Let's go, man. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. The Zane train is the focus of our one-on-one BYUSN all-access interview today. A guy who has overcome several significant injuries. He's back, healthy, and frankly just reveling in 
playing football in 2020. Here's my one-on-one with BYU senior safety, Zane Anderson. The Zane train, what did you do last Saturday while you were not playing Army in West Point, New York? Um, man, I didn't, I didn't do a whole lot. <laughs> I went for a run in the morning. Uh, we worked out here in the morning. I went for a run at the canyon, and then I watched football all day. That was, that was my Saturday. Um, it was frustrating. We couldn't be able to play those guys, but um, it is what it is with this coronavirus stuff. As it stands, you're 1-0. We move into late September. BYU is ranked number 18 in the AP poll, the highest ranking that BYU has enjoyed since 2014. What do you think of the top 25 recognition, albeit in a scenario where only seven of the 10 conferences are currently playing or scheduled to play? Yeah, I mean, I think it is what it is. I think that's tough for the fans. Um, I think it was something we need to take lightly as players and as, as coaches and um, it really doesn't mean a whole lot, I think, especially right now in these times. And um, while it is an honor, we're on there and stuff. We just got to throw it out the window because we got a lot of work to do and um, some some good teams that we need to play. And um, at the end of the season, we can look back and 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 smile and shake our heads and uh, show our gratitude for our, the national rank. But right now, it's just it's just a rank. We need to keep working, and uh, we've got a lot of games on the schedule. Like you said, it's for the fans and the talking heads in Studio B, right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> you guys enjoy that. <laughs> oh, we are. We absolutely are. <laughs> Zane, what's the number one scouting report for Troy after you watch the Trojans beat up on Middle Tennessee? Because you can focus on those guys. We, we can talk about Troy. Yeah, um, they're a really good team. Um, they've, they've showed that they can win a lot of big games in the past few years. Um, and they've got a really capable offense. They, uh, they're they really a uh, good passing team. They've got some really good receivers and a quarterback that can throw the ball. Um, and so we're going to be, we're going to be on our, uh, our cues because um, it's going to be a, it's going to be a good challenge for us. And I think we're really excited for it. We didn't get challenged much in Navy. Um, the Everyone else kind of handled it up front and they did a really good job. And so now it's our time to shine and, uh, and show what we're capable of. <clears throat> 19 days between games by the time you roll into the Troy game at Lavelle Edwards Stadium on Saturday night, which always brings up the rust versus rest. But the impression I get is that everyone's just super thirsty and hungry to play football again. Uh, So how do you view the rest versus rust versus just let us play scenario? Yeah, I mean, I wish I wish we could play every every week um, with some of these circumstances in Lallis, but um, I think that's the whole team as well. I think we all want to play um, every single game. Um, I don't think anybody likes sitting out. I, as fun as it is uh, watching all the games on and being a fan on a Saturday, um, it's it's way funner playing in a game. And so that was my thing on Saturdays. I just wanted to play. I was I was pretty frustrated watching some games, and I watched the or, or and and so yeah, it was tough. But um, um, it's just something we're gonna have to deal with and. Oh, no question. The, the frustration is real. But you mentioned you did watch football all day. You watched Navy complete that comeback. Uh, yeah. Does Navy winning that game in any way make you and the team feel better about what you did in Annapolis to open the season? Yeah, absolutely. I turned on that game um, in the first half, and I was like, shoot. They were kind of getting beat down. And then at halftime, they, they must have lit a fire on them or something because they came out swinging. And so – 
and they came back and won. And that really does, that helps us. Um, it, it helps us show that that's a bigger win for us when we, when we beat them like that. And uh, so I hope that they win uh, the rest of the season. Um, they're a good football program. We really respect them. Well, now you have the national spotlight on Saturday night uh, with Troy coming to town and really BYU, because you're the only team in the West playing, it's, it's all eyes on you if people want to watch late football. What type of atmosphere do you anticipate in the stadium with 6,000 fans watching you play, not to mention, you know, hundreds of thousands of people across the country? Oh, it's going to be beautiful. Um, we always love playing Lavelle Edwards. Um, a night game, it's going to be fun. Um, even though there's only 6,000 fans, we've, we've, we've kind of uh, um, developed this thinking that we need to bring our own energy to games. Um, We've seen that in the past when we go in other team stadiums and kind of take it over. Um, and that's just like our message throughout this whole season is we're going to go and whether we're playing at home or they're playing away, um, it's, it's, we just got to take over the stadium and use our energy um, to create a force. And so I think that's our plan head into this game and create some adversity for these guys. How's your health, not just from a COVID standpoint, but from recovering injury standpoint? Good. Um, I feel really confident um, coming out of Navy game. I felt really healthy, and that's something I haven't felt in a long time. And so um, it was exciting, and I, and I think it helps my confidence um, on the field and um, just with injuries in the past. I've kind of been banged up after a few games just at the very start of the season. And so my uh, plan is to keep it like that, and uh, I feel really good. So I'm, I'm really excited. That's well, great news for you and great news for BYU fans to hear that. And uh, with the COVID scenario still happening, your quarterback, Zach Wilson, mentioned that he legitimately is seeking out potentially a place to live by himself so he can avoid contact tracing and just stay focused on the season and not have to worry about catching COVID. Is this a common theme throughout the team or is this just a Zach Wilson thing? Um, for sure. I think everyone is, is to that point, too. I think everyone's bought in, but that's for sure just a Zach Wilson thing, too. Um, I think everyone's doing their part to to stay away from from outsiders to to social events, um, and living alone would be great. But I don't. I wish I had the money to be able to do that. <laughs> um, and I think, but I think that's kind of the message. Is obviously we all want to play, and we're all trying to do whatever we can to play. And so, um, if if it's moving houses, if it's trying to get somewhere alone, if it's sacrificing. I think everyone on the team is, is kind of bought in to do that. And, you know, I want to have a senior season more than anything. I didn't work out this hard all year just for, for nothing. And so I'm willing to do anything as well. And so and that's a lot of our guys. And so um, it's just taking things as it is, but trying to be careful as you can. Now, understandably, you of all people have had to wait a long time. And so every game really is precious to you. Then the NCAA rules that, well, they're not going to hold it against you if you want to come back and play in 2021. So I have to ask the question, Zane, is there any chance that the Zane train could be playing for BYU in 2021 against a schedule that includes seven power five opponents and Boise state? Uh, that schedule looks nice, man. I think after losing this season, uh, sacrificing our season for all these games and stuff, it's been hard, but I don't know, man, taking things one thing at a time. I uh, just got to ball out every game and see what happens. I can't I'm not gonna, yeah, I'm not going to complain about just the possibility <laughs> out there. So I'll, I'll keep my blue goggles on here, Zane. <laughs> we'll be thinking about uh, the Zane train potentially in 2021. But for now, let's give you some <laughs> karma for uh, the Troy game. 
And uh, great to hear that you're doing well and the team's back together and uh, practicing normally. Go get it done against the Trojans, man. Good luck. Thanks, Spencer. Appreciate it, man. Great to have him healthy and leading the charge as one of those senior veteran leaders for the BYU defense. Yeah, Zane, it's great to have him back. And uh, here's to next year. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. We spend a lot of time each week scouring through game notes, researching, conducting interviews. All, all, all this paperwork. Also, you don't have really? to. You can, just, you can just listen to us talk about the yeah, things that we we're research. Doing, we're doing the work for you. Each Friday this season, we will present you with the best bits of our research so you can sound smart when you're breaking down the game with all your friends. It's called Game Notes, presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Jerem, start us off. Here we go. We, I, I mentioned it with Rod Gilmore, but Troy linebacker Carlton Marshall is one of 12 players in FBS the last 20 years to have this kind of season, and he had it last year. 100-plus tackles, 15 TFLs, and three picks. Preseason first-team All-American. By the way, he doesn't tie his left shoe. It stayed that way as a freshman in high school, and has stayed that way since. Random. 5'9", 216. He makes a ton of plays. If Dian Gonwoloku mm-hmm. had been a linebacker and 10 pounds heavier, this would have been him. Yes, it would have looked like that. Yeah. Speed, strength, nose for the ball. Look at those numbers, by the way. 28 tackles for loss, six force fumbles, three interceptions. Playmaker, like, watch watch him on defense. I'm excited to watch him take on the run blocking from that physical BYU offensive line and fullback Mason Wake. When it's a power-on-power situation... 216 is a little light for that, but he's quick to try and get around. That'll be a fun matchup. Jaron, BYU has only won one home opener under Kalani Satake, and it was against Portland State in that forgettable 2017 season. Yeah, the other three were Cal by three, UCLA by three, and Utah by 18 losses. So it's not a Power 5 team. It's Kalani Satake's first group of five team. I think that bodes well in terms of the level of competition. Yet, Troy is, Troy is quality. Okay, the Trojans are the sec- are second in FBS since 2016 with 106 takeaways. We've said this one loud and proud. This is the number one stat that sticks out for me going into this matchup. Troy takes the ball away, and they had three picks against Middle Tennessee last week. BYU needs to be, at worst, minus one in the turnover category to feel comfortable about beating Troy. This is how a team can that's a 14-point dog can level the playing field, is create more opportunities for yourself and prevent the other team. And 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 Troy is excellent at taking advantage of making that, turning that into points. They had 17 points off turnovers last week. That was enough to win the game. They didn't need any more scores. BYU just be minus one or better in the turnover category. If BYU is plus, I don't see how Troy wins the game. Exactly. I think they have to win turnover margin just to stay in the game. BYU has never played a team from the Sun Belt Conference. They played two this season. Both in Provo, Troy and Texas State, though Troy is at one end of the Sun Belt and right. Texas State is really at the other. You always play two teams who are in the Sun Belt now, but when they played, they were not. Arkansas State 96 was uh, 1AA at the time, now FCS, uh, but they are in the league. And then Louisiana Monroe in 94 was an FBS independent, but now they are in the Sun Belt. So this is the first game against a team. Currently, currently in, in the, Sun, the Belt. Sun Belt. And and the Sun Belt did BYU solid this year, like I said, by getting two games. Did they though? Because the Sun Belt's been beaten up on the Big Twelve. 
Right. We'll see. <laughs> Maybe it was bad. <laughs> Troy has won the toss five times under Chip Lindsay. And they have taken the ball first all five times. So if Troy wins the toss tomorrow, expecting to take they're the going to take the ball. So uh, either way, I think that Troy's going to get the ball first. Because if BYU wins the toss, you'd think they'd defer the second half and kick. So Troy's going to lead the game with the possession of the ball. Does BYU try and put Troy on their heels, though, and say, we know you like to take the ball first. We won the toss. We want the ball. No. <laughs> because on Labor Day, they did not. They they gave, they kicked off, got a stop, and then had a shorter field. And had a 31-0 lead and then got the ball after halftime and then had a 38-0 yeah. lead. Yeah, they had a conservative 31-0. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Jerem, Troy quarterback Gunnar Watson became the first Trojans quarterback since 2010, so in a decade, to win his debut as QB1. Middle Tennessee stinks. That's my opinion on that. Uh, Gunnar Watson taking over. They've only had like four starting quarterbacks since like 05 or something. Um, They've not not Deshaun. That's just mean. (laughs) That's just mean. Listen, I I think he, he loves a good back shoulder. He gets the ball out quick. They do a lot of bubble screens. Wide receivers block well. The, the BYU secondary is going to be tested. They're going to have to defend well. And if BYU is going to play this nickel we've heard about, basically nickel if you don't know, five defensive backs, then the BYU secondary will be will be challenged. They, they get the ball out quick. Now, don't be surprised to see BYU present a defensive philosophy like they did against USC last year where they drop more drop, drop more because drop Troy wants to get the ball Dave out McKinn's quick. favorite drop eight it's everybody like, everybody it, hates it but that won the game against USC it did it did and that was a win against a team with the name Trojans so maybe that works Bury's gonna Romney leads the nation with 33 or 34 yards per catch leads the nation Will he keep that up? The answer is no. But could Gunnar Romney continue to be BYU's number one receiver? Yes. You and I said months ago he will have a breakout season, and he had that breakout game against them. He's BYU's deep threat. He is. I want to see more Chris Jackson in that way, by the way. Gunnar Romney could maintain a 17 to 18-yard per catch average. He yes. could do that. He needs like a 30-ish yarder every game then because he had two 40-plus yarders. The 43-yarder deep and the 45-yard screen pass that was like the worst tackling technique of all time by Navy. But Gunner made a great play down the field, and there were O-linemen trailing him as well. Mm, okay. Under head coach Chip Lindsey, Troy is 6-1 and one when leading at halftime, and the Trojans are a perfect 5-0 and oh under the coach when they rush for more than 200 yards. Troy did both against Middle Tennessee, so Jerem basically... BYU have a halftime lead and don't give up 200 yards rushing. Chip Lindsey is 6-7 and seven as the coach, so Troy has led at halftime in all six wins. So maybe a halftime lead will go a long way in helping BYU towards the victory. Okay, since the start of last season, the Trojans are third nationally in place per game, 84 a game to Texas Tech and UCF. They ripped off 93 plays against Middle Tennessee. Tempo is tough to defend sometimes, yet... Remember at times when BYU used to go tempo that you'd go three and out quick and you used 12 seconds of play clock and you were out? Uh, Let's see if the BYU defense can use that to their advantage. But Troy will catch BYU not ready a couple times. Navy ran 47 total plays (laughs) against BYU. 47? 47 total plays. Troy's hoping to run 47 in the first half against BYU. (laughs) So, again, this goes back to what we were discussing earlier. BYU... If they can utilize that physical offensive line and get the run game going and have these long, just 
physical, drawn-out drives, that's going to hurt the Troy offense just because they're not going to have that many opportunities to get on the field. Absolutely. Tempo is always tricky. It can be a massive advantage, but it could also uh, bite you. I would love an eight-minute opening drive for BYU with 50 yards rushing and 21 yards passing. What is this, Navy? Yeah. Come on, man. Okay, the last time BYU was ranked this high... It lost the next game. I thought about this, and I was hoping that you would bring it up. Utah State. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry for these facts. Utah State 2014. BYU gets up to 18-19 and uh, loses the next game. So here's to health. Here's to COVID health. Here's to BYU performing well. Utah State that year ended up being all right. Here's the difference between this game and that game. You are not calling for 17-plus against Troy. Oh, heck no. No. In fact, later in the prop picks, you'll see that I'm – Reversing flow on that. You felt very confident that BYU was going to run Utah State off did. the field, okay? We all felt good. <laughs> BYU was 4-0 and dominating, man. Who didn't? Rivalry games are always weird, but now it's a cautious approach, and I think that all of the BYU players well, and coaches clearly share this. It's it's watching Troy, but it's also the layoff, which brings me to our last game note. 19 days between games, the longest amount between games for BYU since 2001. 9-11, BYU had multiple games. Uh, I think they might have had a bye week there, but obviously a rescheduled game. This is a long layoff. What Rust versus rest. We've been discussing it. We'll see what happens tomorrow. I like Riley Nelson's approach. He told us yesterday, BYU needs to treat this as a second first game. That's a second a season opener. Great point by Riley. Absolutely. Get in that mentality. And if BYU performs like they did in the first one, it'll be a good day because BYU is very ready for that one. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. BYU defensive lineman Lorenzo Falate tweeted at the governor of Utah yesterday when he found out about no fans in the stands, but in spite of that disappointment, he'll be ready. I started my one-on-one asking, how are you going to recreate the atmosphere that BYU created at Navy on Saturday with no fans? Um, I guess it's just the same the same mindset that we took into Navy's game is going to be the same mindset that we take here, but it's just a different, uh, different venue and different stadium. But I think... It'll be more special for us because it's our home stadium. I mean, we've done scrimmages in the fall that, that were in our stadium that with no fans. And we've kind of already talked through it as team, as, t- as a team that um, this is how it's going to be like during the game, you know, just in case we didn't have any fans. So I think as a team, we're used to it and we're ready. I could hear you guys from the press box at my position in Annapolis all the way down on the sideline and thoroughly enjoyed it. And that wasn't the only one. ESPN's Kirk Herbstreit and Reese Davis got a kick out of it. Are there plans to maintain that same type of volume on the BYU sideline? Um, no plans. I guess it's just um, our mindset that we go into it, you know, just, just how we approach the game. Um, just days before the game is how we're going to be during game day. So I guess it's, throughout the week and the energy that we bring throughout the week. Without a doubt, disappointing to lose the 6,000 fans that were planning on being in attendance at LES. How did you handle the news when you first heard it? Um, to be honest, I was kind of upset. You know, just speaking to my mom and dad, um, this is the reason why I play this sport is because of them. They put me in this sport and I'm here because of them. You know, and I just kind of want, I kind of just wanted to show out for them you know, every game day, but it is what it is. And as a team, we are blessed just to even have a game this week because last week it got canceled and a lot of us were bummed. But, 
you know, it is what it is, and it's the world that we live in today. And, you know, just got to accept it and move on and play ball. I know you felt strongly enough to tweet at Governor Herbert of Utah. Any of your other teammates uh, on board to, to send the governor a tweet? Oh, uh, yeah, they were just – they were all kind of just like, we'll like and retweet your tweet. And, you know, they were just <laughs> with me. I guess I was just the only one that really wanted to say something. And, you know, it just caught me by surprise. But it, it is what it is. Uh, an understandable reaction for sure uh, when, you, when you're banking on something like that. But uh, after a few hours, it seems that you have kind of mentally processed this and now you got to turn your attention to getting ready for the game. So let's focus yeah. on Troy. After your film review, what do you notice about Troy? What's priority number one in stopping their offense? Um, what I notice about Troy is that they're a really fast-paced, up-tempo team. You know, they try to catch you off guard. You know, if – while they're moving the ball down the field, they get a couple catches, short passes, short passes. They'll catch you off guard with a run. You know, um, I guess as a team, as a defense, that we've been ready and we've been um, we've been practicing up tempo practices. And and I guess last week with um, having it off, we've been up up to par with our conditioning. I would say so. You know, we're ready as a defense. How did you manage? the COVID situation with practices, how was it for you as a player to go through kind of that modified edition where you couldn't practice normally and now you're back to full speed. So how, how are you working through that? And, and uh, um, how was it beneficial to do that? Um, I guess it was, um, it was, it was a change for sure. Um, you know, with me being here for uh, three to four years, it's been different ever since, but um just from going to modified to back to going back to regular practices, um, it's it's been good actually. Just uh just so we can um, just be safe with our testing, you know, having our players be in certain groups at certain times um, that we are here to lift and to go through runs and whatnot. Um, it was good just to monitor our team, just so we can play this season. So I, I give that all up to um, John Swift a guy that's been putting things together, our athletic training staff and our coaches for doing that for us. So it's been good. We're with Lorenzo Faotea on BYU Sports Nation as the Cougars prepare for game number two, this time against Troy on Saturday night. Uh, what type of BYU team and culture do you expect to show up at the stadium on Saturday night after 19 days off between games? I think it's going to – the same team that you saw in Navy is going to be the same team that you'll see at Troy. And I guess that will be for the rest of the season as well. So, yeah, being off 19 days, uh, it's been good. And it had its ups and it had its downs with different things and not being able to be here with everybody on the team. But the same mentality that we went in with Navy will be the same one that we go in with Troy. So, Did you get your homework caught up at least? Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, I'm stats and I hate math. So stats has been kicking my butt. But having this week off, I've been able to sit down and really go through lectures. And, you know, homework has been top tier right now. Hey, there's there's a silver lining in everything. You caught yeah. up the studies. Now it's, now it's time to get back to football. For sure, um, man, for sure. As you push toward this game, you have a little number 18 in front of BYU, ranked uh, in the top 25. I know that your coaches are very careful about how you handle those things, but how does it impact you when you see the number 18 next to BYU in the national rankings? Um, to be honest, whenever like when I see it on Twitter and I see like post about us being number 18, I kind of I kind of hate it because in fact you know like 
we've won big games last year and we've we've not been in any rankings and like for this year just to win one game on the road we were we're ranked top 20 and I, and I, and to me I felt like we don't really deserve it in a way that we still got to prove ourselves so just like um Mateos always tweets poison it's poison in my head I'm like yeah that is poison like 18 that's that's nothing to us you know I feel like we should be you know focusing more on just winning the rest of our games and being us and who we are so yeah I can't wait to tweet that headline out why Lorenzo Fawatea hates <laughs> being ranked but I get it I like it I, yeah. I actually uh I get it and, and I like that answer okay from a defensive perspective Navy runs such a unique offense you go out and you have to format to what they do. But when you play Troy, you're going to go into the base defense that you're preparing for all offseason. How different will the defense look on Saturday night compared to what fans saw against Navy? Um, I would say there won't be much of a big of a difference. I think you'll see – I think you'll see everybody flying around against Navy trying to go to the ball will be the same as we go to Troy with the air raid of runs and throws. I think you'll see everybody flying around more. So, but yeah, that'll be good. All right, Zoe, we appreciate the time, man. Let's thank you. Some thank you, man. Sports appreciate Nation it. Karma. Uh, take the karma, go and do good things against Troy uh, <laughs> with that defense. And yeah. congratulations again on getting uh, your stats homework finished up. Yeah, thank you, man. Have to, have to. (laughs) The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Threat level orange, Jerem. The Utah government shuts down any opportunity for the 6,000 planned fans to attend the Troy-BYU game this Saturday night. I know. It stinks. And the Friday night game following with Louisiana Tech. So they doubled down on the stinkage. What do you think of BYU not having <laughs> fans in Lavelle Edwards Stadium for the first two games? It doth stinketh yes. to me, Spencer. Yes. I'm, uh, I'm not a fan of this. Okay, but listen, Provo and Orem have been warned. Who, who do we blame for this? What's the dude? Guacu? Quacu? And all the parties with the who, – who do I blame for this? Um, this is disappointing, absolutely. Um, here's the thing, and Mark Durant tweeted it. Shocking that uh, COVID positives went up when you have an influx of, I don't know, fifty to 60,000 students that weren't here during the spring. That's the thing. It's not somewhere. just BYU. We're talking about the two largest universities in the state within five miles of each other. Yeah, so listen, is, is, are the students derelict in their duty to uh, you know, wear masks? Yeah, we're seeing too many videos of no masks, right? Absolutely. But it's not just the Utah. It's not necessarily Utah County residents. It's students that have come in from the outside that aren't doing it too. So I don't know that we can point the finger. It, whoever it's fault it is, whatever. It's disappointing. There's not going to be fans. I, so there's one thing too. I'm glad the games are still playing. Do not, do not cancel the season for BYU football. They are trying their best, and if the people around them aren't doing that, at least they get to play. Because that matters financially for TV money to the university. It also matters uh, emotionally to what this university means. Their mental health of these athletes, coaches, staffers matters as well. So at least they're still playing the games, which is good. This also means uh, BYU's not going to get to 24,000 in Lavelle Edwards Stadium this year. There's no way. There's no way that's going to happen. Because if they're not playing with any fans the first two, 
there's no way they get up to 24 by the end. You, we'd have to be green again, and we're not going to be green again until, what, next summer or fall? Yeah, and be green oh, in November? No, it's not happening. It's not. But I am glad you brought up the point of the game is still happening. Lost in all of this is, hey, the the game is still being played, which is fantastic. Can you imagine... No, How bad no, we would no, feel. Okay, no. I'm not even going to go there. Don't eat, don't, we I'm already not, went there last I'm week. I'm not even going to go there. Yeah, okay. I won't even we've had, finish that statement, that we've question. Almost, we've, almost had, we've had two weeks and two days without BYU playing a game after that incredible performance. I don't want to think about no games. The again. game is on. Now, now, let's talk about this. But Oh, go ahead, sir. No, the BYU, the BYU team, to your point, is doing anything and everything they possibly can to keep this season rolling from week to week. <laughs> Nailed it! <laughs> Thank you for that positive affirmation. It doesn't mean it's not disappointing, but it's about par- it's about parties, Jeremy. It's not about like kids. You go to class, you're masked up, you're socially distanced. Like on campus, you can't walk across campus without a mask. So it's not happening like in class when things are controlled and contained. This is all about what you do after school. And we don't know necessarily that it's all just the students, but it, it feels that way. I, I, I don't know. I, at the end of the day, it's like, hey, wear your mask so we, so we can have some semblance of normalcy. Listen, a couple months ago, we were all like, like bears in a cave. You know what I mean? But here we are out. People are at work. Uh, you know, some people do it virtually, but... You're, you're going to the store, you're out, you, there was a chance BYU is playing football game. Like, this feels good, right? But now, there's no fans, and that's really disappointing. Also, how about the slap in the face from the Utah government to the cities of Provo and Orem, a.k.a. UVU and BYU? That's not Utah County. And, and BYU and UVU's president sent out a joint statement yesterday laying down the smack saying, if things don't change, we will quarantine essentially from in-class sco- in uh, school for two weeks. So there's, there's sort of this... Uh, probationary period for the students right now on campus. But you're right. It's the issue is not on campus. And again, I it's not solely to blame on the UVU and BYU students. But certainly that's a big part of who is in the city of Orem and of Provo. But at least the games are happening. We ain't getting a 24K this year. And it, it was disappointing. In fact, here's Kalani Satake from last night on a show about no fans in the stands for two games. Yeah, obviously, I mean, you know, it's disappointing. We love our fans and, and uh, look forward to being back at home and entertaining them and, and doing, as, uh, you know, as much as we can to, to play at our best. And so uh, knowing that the fans aren't going to be there, we're going to have to create our own energy and passion on the sidelines and be ready for that game. And in talking to Kalani a little bit after the show, he was like, yeah, we, we knew that we had to bring it, you know, at Navy, and our guys did a really good job of that. You, you heard it in person. We heard it on the broadcast, like, as you said, a lot of chahooing. Mm-hmm. And there's no good way for me or you or anyone who is white to say chihu and sound cool. It's just, <laughs> it, it's not a thing we can do. It's not a thing we can do. BYU defensive lineman Lorenzo Falatea. We will hear from him one-on-one BYU Sports Nation All Access in a bit. But he also shared his frustration over the last-minute no-fan scenario. Yeah, at first I was a little upset. Um, just because, you know, everybody, all the players want their their family, especially just to be there at their game, just to watch their son and all the hard work and sacrifice that they put in. But um, it's it's the new world that we live in now and today, and it's a thing that we just have to go with it, go with it and it, it is what it is. And um, we're just lucky and blessed that we still, are, um, that we still have the opportunity to, to play t- today. 
It is game on, fans or not. And Lorenzo tweeted at Governor Herbert in Utah, quote, just wanted my mom and dad to watch, bro. And listen, Herbert's a BYU alum. He's a BYU fan. He comes to the games a lot. But uh, he did what he felt was necessary. And uh, no fans. BYU is a 14-point fave, as I mentioned, 80 in Vegas. ESPN's Football Power Index gives BYU an 84, a nine, nice shirt, by the way, 1984% chance to win Saturday. Where'd you get that? Top 50 bucks. So what's your group of five anxiety index level for Troy on Saturday? It's risen a little bit, and it's because there is the wild card factor of who's going to be available for both sides. We're not hearing a lot about if the game's going to be played, it's going to be played, but it, it's being played as of now. Universities I, we have no and reason university to think football otherwise. programs, yeah. it's their prerogative how much they want to reveal in terms of who's sick, who's going to be playing. Like when the they, game starts and we're like, where's this person, this person, this person? BYU does not comment on injuries and sickness that aren't season-ending. So basically Saturday you're going to walk out, and if there's a dude that isn't there or isn't dressed for the game, then he's out. That happened at Navy. We didn't go in going, yep, Jaron Hall's out. On the field, he's in street clothes, and you go, oh, Jaron Hall's out. Oh, Jaron Hall's out. That, that will happen Saturday. And if guys aren't there at all, it's, then your first we're thought going is, to assume that there's a COVID impact. Either they have it or they were exposed to someone. Right. So when Tristan Hodge and his dad Marty announced that he's out, he's not feeling well, he's got pneumonia again. Get better, Tristan. Pneumonia stinks. I, I was hospitalized for five days when I was at BYU with pneumonia. Which is so scary. It, yeah, it was a little gnarly. Yeah, we're, we're obviously thinking about you and wanting you to recover uh, very quickly and get back on the football field. But that got me thinking last night, well, if he's that way, then I'm naive to think that there aren't at least a few others that are probably dealing with similar circumstances. Perhaps, so yeah. when we see sure. BYU hit the field, it's going to be like, Okay, find this jersey number, <laughs> find this, this jersey number, find this jersey I don't see this guy. I don't see this guy. Are they dressed on the sideline, or are they just gone altogether? Like, does that mean that there are more people dealing with COVID? So that, that is creating more anxiety for me. Who's going to be available for BYU? Because against Navy, it was basically the whole team. No starters were impacted. They had the A squad out there. Tristan it was only Hodge. Matt Bushman out with Achilles yes. and Jaron Hall, and everyone else was good. Yes, Tristan Hodge is part of the A team. He's gone, so how much I more? we could play the A team theme right now. I love that song. Will that be an impact in, in the game? So that raises my anxiety level, oh, probably up towards like a 40%, Jaren. What was it before? Oh, with, when the season began, I'd say down around 15 or 20 mm. Yeah, if okay, I'm so recalling what we did, yeah, it's it's doubled because I don't know who's going to be available and because oh, of the 19 days off. Right. Rest, BYU rest, has not rest, played since yeah. September 7th. There are no fans now. Wait, what? It's All of this is added to the anxiety index. Yeah, I, I, I and this is the thing that we're having you do because you created the uh, the anxiety with Group of Fives, and I, I agree with it. But, yeah, they – there's an increasing anxiety with Troy. I, I watched most of the game Saturday against Middle Tennessee, and I was impressed. Uh, first start and on the road for Gunnar Watson, who replaced uh, a legend at Troy. Um, I, I, this team was top 10 in passing last year. He's developing. He's a sophomore. I'm not scared that he's going to beat BYU per se, but the skill position players impressed me. B.J. Smith and uh, Kimani Vidal at running back, uh, both a little shorter, but 
like 5'8", 5'9", 215, so stout, right? They're shifty as yes, well. Yes, quick, physical. Uh, the receivers, Kalen Geiger and Khalil McClain, they're, they're good. Khalil McClain said, uh, you know, at, at some point – preseason or, or recently that, hey, we're going to surprise people with how explosive our offense is. So your defense has a challenge. And like you said, 19 days, that's a question mark. I feel like BYU's anxious to play and perform well. They just came off what we hope isn't the best performance of the season. But good gosh, that was an amazing performance against the Navy. Let's see if BYU can do half of what they did in that game. They would still be awesome. And I want to add this. Going back to the 2001 season, we've been talking about margin and anxiety levels against these group of five teams. BYU had the luxury of playing a bunch of games in 2001. They will not have that luxury in 2020, which yeah. makes margin of victory even more important. Fewer opportunities, Fewer opportunities to, to dis- impress. Right, to display. Correct. So they can't, they can't uh, endure as many close games as that 2001 squad had. Right. They'll be more impactful. BYU is ranked 18th in the AP poll, rated highly by Pro Football Focus as the top uh, team grade this season so far. Top offense, top five in several other categories. Third best chance of winning out. All of this sounds really nice, right? Is this deserved or is it just poison? It's deserved through one game. What has BYU done in the one game that we've seen them play in 2020 to make us think otherwise? Now, we will have more material to observe and break down after game number two against Troy, and then we can revisit this question. But right now, through the one game, based on everybody that's played and what Navy did, and they won a game on Saturday, and we're looking at strength of schedule now, those things matter. Yeah, it's deserved. Let's, let's see what BYU does in game number two, and then we can see how deserved the poison or hype is moving forward. But right now... What has BYU done with their one game and with all of the offseason talk about the offensive line and returning experience to make us think otherwise? I'm fine with it after one game, and I am positive the coaches are screaming at them, led by Eric Mateos, not to drink any of the media poison. But right now in my position where I am, having seen what they did, one game, yeah, it's deserved. Yeah, low volume, uh, but it, enjoy the journey, right? Uh this is this is great. Everything's going great right now, um, and and enjoy it while you while you have it. You know, um, I, that's a life lesson. Live in the moment, but also plan for the future. So, it, uh, it's probably mostly I'm enjoying it. But I th- I think um, to think that this is sustainable at that level is is pretty naive, right? BYU's not going to win every game by 52. They're not going to rush for 300. That was an incredible performance, almost perfect. So I'm excited to see what this team can do. It's been a, it's been a little layoff. Let's see what they can do against Troy, who is, a, uh, I think, a better team than Navy. We'll see when the season ends. But Troy looked impressive against everyone, beats them, Middle Tennessee. <laughs> I'm excited to watch this game. Uh, but, so yeah, I'm enjoying this, but uh, there's a little bit of poison to this, a little, little bit of poison. BYU deserves what they've earned. It's one game. But this is the home of the September peak, like I talked about yesterday. I don't want this to be as good as it gets. I, I hope that it gets better because if this is, uh, if this is the best it gets, it, it was pretty good, but it was only one game. Now, when you refer to the September peak, is that in the independence era? Or yeah. Is that... yeah. Okay. Ten-plus years ago, that's a totally different BYU football program. That's, not even, that's a nationally relevant seasons, sure, top 25, offensive players in the NFL, uh, you know, awesome. Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams helping with that. But, 
Yeah, no, it's in independence. BYU's done jack squat in October, November, December um, in terms of getting ranked and, ma- you know, m- like massive wins later. BYU's done an excellent job of starting the season with some nice wins, getting some notoriety, getting ranked. That's awesome. But did, I, I, fear, I fear that I, I don't want to be the dude that goes on one date and goes, oh, this could be wifey. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Can we play more games before we evaluate that? Isn't that how it always starts, though, in marriage? Isn't that how it always starts? That's a very strong reaction. Yeah, it's like, how about about we date each other for like a year? Yet I felt that way about my wife the first time I met her. I thought, whoa. What a wonderful story that should be on Hallmark. This is next level. I'm talking football. Like, wait, wait. Let's play like I don't know, four, five, six, seven, eight games, and then let's see what we really are. Okay. And I said a year. Something, the world is like, date for years, right? Yeah, I want more volume before I go. Dude, this is, BYU's legit. They had a le- like a legit performance, no doubt. It was awesome. I'm enjoying that. I'm loving it. I just don't want it to be the peak. Life and football are full of attrition. Injuries, bad things happen, relationships get derailed, things like that. But sometimes it all comes together. And you end up getting married, and it is some, it is something special, right? Yeah, yeah. but it hasn't hopefully, been an independence. Hopefully, it, it is. hasn't once. BYU's had some nice dates, but they've they've not <laughs> they've not. Hopefully, it is had a successful, lasting season. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches. Athletes and experts have to say, here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Riley Nelson, former BYU quarterback, and as I have mentioned a couple of times and on previous shows, the last man to quarterback a 10-win BYU football team. Riley, welcome back. How are you? Doing really well, fellas. Excited. Uh, I was talking with Ben, you know, the producer, (laughs) before this. I'm like, so are we past the point of no return? And he's like... Nope, not until the ball kicks off will we be safe on this game. But I'm st- I'm staying hopeful and optimistic. Yeah, a wild reality that we are dealing with when it comes to live sports. Now, rarely in the history of BYU football have the Cougars played a game early in the season and then waited 19 days to play again. You got to go back to 2001 with the September 11 situation to find that long of a break. So, what kind of product do you expect early in this second game against Troy? I would hope uh, the same product we saw in Navy come out and take care of business. It's essentially a second first game is the way that I'm looking at it. And Mm -hmm. so you should approach it with all the same things that you do. A lot of excitement, a lot of uh, preparation, uh, a lot of time spent on the opponent and what they can do. Um, So that's what I would expect. Of course, you are in a little bit of danger having had such an impressive and really dynamic performance against Navy of you're a little bit of drinking your own Kool-Aid. There is a little bit of that thinking that like you're hot stuff and that you're going to come out and beat everybody 55 to whatever. Um, but uh, you'd be best served to put that out of your mind and really treat this as like a restart to the season, even though you've already played a game. I think that's a great point. It's been 19 days. It's been forever. BYU's dealt with COVID itself. They've, they've, they're dealing with, uh, you know, Brigham Young early said, hey, the Saints will be cursed with riches. And here BYU is cursed with an 18, if you will, affirmed, but also cursed in the poison that Eric Mateos keeps calling it. Oh, we're so good at this. We're so good at that. 
we haven't done anything. It's one. We're one and zero. Oh, you know that's the rhetoric. So how do you feel about the affirmation that is a ranking? It's great, but also the expectation after one game. Yeah, I mean, there. I'm right there with Coach Mateos, and uh, like the great teams that I was on. You mentioned the last quarterback to be on uh, 10 wins. And by the way, thank you for that distinction. It's kind of an arbitrary, it's kind of an arbitrary honor, but I'll take it. But the reality <laughs> is how do you get to, how do you, how do you get to 10 wins? Like you get there by winning and what by preparing for 10 weeks and winning 10, get 10 single games, right? You don't get, there's no way to win one game and get credit for three. So you have to take each game on its merit and I guess I haven't been allowed in practice for obvious reasons. Uh, and while I do get a little bit of access to, to the tape, just so I can kind of uh, prep a little bit for, for the games, I don't get a feel for the practice. But one thing that I would hope is that there is over these 19 days, if I were still on the team and that I expect has happened is that there's been an intense um, dedication from this leadership to compete internally. Like I would have hoped that there has been some knockdown drag out two minute drills or goal line or red zone periods, uh, even one-on-ones, right. Where guys have kind of really competed against each other versus going through the motions because after putting up 55 points and looking so dominant, you can, you can easily, anybody, even the most experienced teams can easily fall into that trap. But as long as they, as what I expect to have happened and what I believe has happened have fostered an incredibly intense internal competitive environment as long as that's happened i think they'll come out saturday and be just fine former byu quarterback and current byu football radio analyst riley nelson with us on byu sports nation we've been discussing margin of victory today riley and byu will have what looks like fewer opportunities this season to quote unquote impress the people that are watching across the nation so in this weird COVID-19 season, how much does margin of victory matter for BYU and how they're perceived nationally? Look, I know you were doing Voice of the Nation and you, a couple people like affirmed that this was something that important, but in my opinion, the quickest way that you can become extremely unimpressive to poll voters, fans, everyone across the nation in the college football landscape is to focus on something like margin of victory. All the great teams, to quote Nick Saban or Lane Kiffin, that is rat poison. I can tell you, like, I know LSU, and it remains to be seen if BYU is the caliber of team that LSU was last year, but those guys beat a lot of good teams by impressive point margins. I can guarantee you that the, the point margin was never a main focus for them. But what was was coming out, playing with incredible physical physicality, executing your assignment, and then, you know, they happen to have the luxury of a bunch of Horses, right? First and second round NFL talent. I think BYU can check definitely two of those three boxes and that they come out and play with incredible physicality. That's what they showed against Navy. One penalty in the whole game, and really it was an arbitrary one, uh, uh, you know, kind of a weird false start penalty. So they showed their ability to execute. And I think while we've got some bright spots of potential horses, there's still a lot of room for them to develop. But we definitely, this is one of the more talented squads that we've seen in the last few years. So those are the things that naturally produce. Those are the things that you focus on, and the margin of victory will take care of itself. If you try and focus on the result rather than the process, that's the quickest way to underwhelm fans, voters, uh, people alike. And I, and I think you've approached this from the player's perspective, but I, I want to discuss it from, say, the media perspective. So let's say that 
BYU is, they do beat these teams, right? And this schedule has a lot of wins on it. It has, you know, six, seven, eight, maybe not. I don't know. Um, BYU is going to have to out at large a Power 5 team that took second or third, right, in, in their conference. And to me, margin of victory will play a role there. It's not something, like you said, BYU should focus on, but when College Game Day is discussing the merits of BYU if they happen to be 8-0 and or whatever, they can't be looking at a 7-point win against UTSA and a 10-point you know, win against... They're going to need to see some 20- and 30-point margins to be like, listen, I know BYU didn't take, play a strong schedule, but they beat up on most of these teams. How do you feel about yeah. that? So uh, let me just right here pause and tell any player on the team that may be watching the show right now, please change the channel. <laughs> and now that they're gone, absolutely. I mean, after when, when Greg, Mitch, and I were driving uh, to our hotel after the game, that I mean, that was where our first thoughts were like, it was like, man, if we can take care of business against these opponents and do what we should do, we might be in a New Year's Six. Right. Like and especially at that time where the Big Ten and the Pac-12 weren't going to play football and it's still up in the air what remains to be seen in those bowls. I mean, if we see the BYU team that came out against Navy and handle business the way that they did, if we see that consistently through however many games. And if you are a, an evaluator, if you're the media or if you're a coaching voter, you can BYU has from the beginning has made a dedication to play whoever it makes sense and whoever is available to play. You cannot fault them who who's ended up on the schedule. That's circumstances outside of their control through COVID scheduling logistics and, and other restrictions from other uh, conferences. So if they come out and take care of business the way they do, absolutely you do that. And it is a thin line that we're talking about because if you do mess up and you have a late comeback and you get, you get an ugly win, that does matter in the eyes of the voters. And that could be the difference between ending up in a new year six or just another ball. Riley Nelson with us on BYU Sports Nation. And I, I expect there to be either a loss or a close win because that's just what happens with everybody, literally everybody. Alabama, Clemson. What is it with Clemson and, like, NC State? They always play this close game or whatever. I'm okay with a close win or two, but there can't be, like, a bunch of them. There's got to be some really impressive performances. And I don't expect, like you said, 55-3 is silly to expect, but if BYU can win by three scores, 17-plus, in the majority of these – I'm good with that. Yet, it feels like Troy is one of these kind of sneaky games where this could be closer than people think. Like, Vegas is saying BYU by 14, but I don't know. This feels like a one-score, maybe a 10-point game here. If I were in that locker room, I would be saying, uh, first of all, I don't know if we have anybody on the roster from the South. We, I know we got dudes from Texas, but I mean, like, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Louisiana, Mississippi. Malik Moore, who, who currently isn't, you know, he's rehabbing. Right, but I would get Malik up in front of a in front of a team meeting and like be like, "Hey, tell us a little bit about what football's actually like down there." Because this roster is full of dudes, Alabama, Georgia, in the deep south where like, look, we all love football. Don't get me wrong. Like BYU fans are some of the most passionate. But when you spend time with both football players and football fans with those guys in the deep south, it goes above and beyond any even for me who my whole life revolves around football it's on another level. Like for these guys, there is no plan B. There is no anything else. It is all football. So anytime you're lining across the dude, uh, lining across uh, the ball from dudes that come from that background where football has been almost a religious uh, aspect of their lives, you have to be careful because they have a level of investment that is, is tough to match. Secondly, these are guys like, 
let's take their middle linebacker, right? He's 5'9". He's making tackles, plays all over the field, right? But he's 5'9", like 208. The dude can play. The only reason, you know, he's probably got the instincts, the athletic ability, the speed to where he could have been a, a major conference recruit, but he, his genetics happen to spit out five foot nine inches, right? So you still got guys that can play the game great. Now you should have a little bit of a size, probably a little bit of an athletic advantage, but don't, but don't underestimate the fact that these guys have grown up with football being as more important to them than any other aspect of life. Carlton Marshall is who you're referring to. He's incredible. He's a stud. Yeah, Riley Nelson with us on BYU Sports Nation. Riley, then there's the wild card of COVID-19, and this is raising my group of five opponent anxiety level because I'm not sure who's (laughs) going to run out on the field for either side until that ball kicks off. So I think we need to consider margin of victory based on who's actually playing in the game. So, But the problem is when you have – uh, 10, 15 Eastern time kickoff, you don't get that luxury because all of those voters, which the majority are east of the Mississippi, are going to wake up, check it, check the score, the box score on the ESPN app and make their judgment off that. Like, I, we wish that these guys took it more seriously, but the reality is, and it's been documented, especially like the coaches poll, that they don't even submit their own ballot. They have an executive assistant do stuff like that. We know that you have to be, the most impressive place that you have to be is on the box score. Um, but that said, Look, you hate to see like season ending injuries, like it, which is stuff that has tested BYU's depth in the past. And I, I feel bad for Tristan Hodge that, you know, his dad came out and said he's got pneumonia and he, after having COVID-19 and he's dealing with stuff and for anybody else affected by it. But we, this has been a repeating theme through independence with BYU is that we need to increase our depth. Well, while it may be arbitrary and while it may be unfortunate, what better way to actually test the depth and develop the depth of the program than be in a scenario where based on test results that are administered on Friday and that are known Saturday, that's who's going to go out and line up. So that forces the level of everybody on the depth chart to raise their level of preparation, be ready to play, and when called on, when called upon, come out and perform. So that, I guess – while it is a negative circumstance, that would be a positive scenario for me in that it's a great opportunity to build the depth within the program at every position. Riley, it's always great to talk with you, man. Uh, you're full of uh, football wisdom and great insights, and we appreciate the passion you bring to the program. You bet. Thanks for having me on. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. BYU junior defensive back Malik Moore is making an impact not just on the field for the football Cougars, but off the field as a voice for change. His strength comes from his relationship with his mother. Here is their story in today's Deep Blue, presented by America First Credit Union. We're here to help. My mom is my world for sure. That's why I have this necklace. Like, it's just her name on it. I swear it everywhere I go. Just a reminder of who I do it for. And I always do it for my whole family. But also remember, like, what everything she's been through. She's a very caring and loving person. I just learned in life that no matter what trial, no matter what tribulation, no matter what your circumstance is, life is still moving. Nothing is going to stop just because you're going through. So you might as well keep pressing. You might as well trust God. And I've been shocked so many times about how God has worked things out. So I've just simply learned to trust him. 
I, I was for sure a trouble kid. I was bad growing up. You know the little green, yellow, red cars? I was always on red every day. His grades were excellent, but that behavior every day, he was on red every day. Literally every day. <laughs> my, my teacher, they called me Motormouth. My, it was like Malik Moore, so M.M. I just talked a lot, always talked back. He loves me so much, but I love him even more. And I would always tell all of my kids, there's greatness inside of you, and it's my job to get it out. <laughs> so in order to get the greatness out, I felt I had to drive the foolishness out. I had a three strike. So the first time you get in trouble or something, you know, maybe, you know, you had a bad day. Second time, okay, we're going to have a real talk. But the third time, it's whooping time. Every time. I got in trouble, I just pray, pray to God. Before I got whoopings, I pray to God. He'd have his little hands together on his little knees, and he'd say, Lord, please take away the spirit of rebellion and disobedience and help me to be good. It was so repetitive, you know, just something as a kid, you're like, I'm just down, I'm going to act right, and just my life right. <laughs> These young people, they've got a lot of, a lot of informa more information than ever before more ability to see what's going on in the world, a new perspective that, that guys my age don't have. And what's been important to me has always been what's important to them. Our culture on our team is that we want our players to connect. We we share our vulnerabilities, we share our, our weaknesses and, and and hope that others can, can come to know us each individually. Nowadays, because there's so many voices and so much noise out there, people get carried away with being right or wrong. And I really can appreciate it when, when a player or, or anybody will step up and give their opinion. I woke up one morning and decided, hey, look, I'm going to do something about the situation and everything going on in the world and Corona. Then we had police brutality going on. It was, it was ridiculous. That moment in time really affected him in a moral way that he felt responsible to speak out and say something. I got to writing a script. Uh, I called my mom and asked her, like, what are some things that I can do or give me some ideas to start this off? I said, God has given you a vision. No one else can bring this vision to pass except for you. Typed it up, sent it up, and asked a bunch of players to, hey, will you be, will you be a part of this? And can you help support the cause? And gladly they did. My teammates are real good. They're family to me. I appreciate all of his teammates that per that participated. I believe it took a lot of courage. And seeing some of the comments on the video, I know it took a lot of courage to make a profound statement and a stand and really show the world what you're standing for and who you're standing with. It was a fun experience to have and to be a part of something like that and to make a change. I know that what's going on right now in the world is important to Malik, and I applaud him for his leadership, for being able to speak out. I'm proud of the things that he's promoting and, and trying to help um, lives become better and trying to help fight social injustice and racism. And so that's something that they want to talk, that they want to be vocal about. I'm going to support him in all that. I know whenever I first came to BYU my freshman year, I was for sure judging the person next to me. I didn't know who they were, and I kind of placed them in this certain box that, okay, they go to BYU, the LDS, and I didn't want to talk to them because I didn't think they were going to have the same interests as me. But I believe me going out of my way to talk to people and to meet people, it wasn't like that at all. And so it goes to show that loving your neighbor and getting to know them takes you a long way. And 
And it didn't matter to me whether that person was ODS or not. Everyone believes the same color as you. It's all that matters. You can believe what you want to believe, and I can believe what I want to believe. Either way it goes, we're both human, and we can still have fun together. Malik Moore, our Deep Blue feature. We had an opportunity to speak with him over the summer in the midst of his voice being heard to create change within our culture. And uh, it was, I mean, just a real humble, hardworking kid and fun to see his backdrop. Always with the red card. Now look what he has developed into, led by his mother. Really cool stuff. Yeah, that relationship is really strong and really cool to see. And Malik's rehabbing from an off-season injury, so we hope to see him at some point this year or, or next year. But uh, Malik, Malik's a good player. He's played a bunch, but obviously these stories explore what's going off the, off the field with him. Mississippi and San Diego is where he grew up. So two very different places, right? But uh, here he finds himself, as he chronicled, in Provo, which is also a different place. <laughs> so he's getting uh, a good life experience in different spots, and he called for unity. And uh, that, that was a, a nice move by the BYU football team this summer. Yeah, great point by you to point out uh, the Mississippi-San Diego-Provo juxtaposition. Three, three very different places, right? Yes. Different cultures, absolutely. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Yesterday I talked with Tyler Algier. Great conversation with Tyler. Once a walk-on, now one of the leading rushers in the country. He knows how to overcome adversities, now on scholarship. He got some uh, publicity for something he wrote on his uh, cleat against Navy that was anti-cancer. And I talked to him about why, he's, why, he, why he wrote that and why he's playing for more than just himself this season. Here's my conversation with Tyler Algier yesterday on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. All right, Tyler, you used to be a running back, and then you're a linebacker, now you're running back. But I think you found your calling, right? 132 yards against Navy. It's, it's official, you're a running back? That's, yeah, it's official, I'm a running back. Is 9.4 yards per carry sustainable this year? Hopefully. <laughs> you know, can't get nine, nine, it, 9.4 carries without the O-line doing their job because can't, can't do any of my success without them. When in the Navy game did you realize, oh, wow, these holes are pretty big. This is, this is awesome. Uh, this first play of the game, once uh, Lopini, Lopini had uh, brought the juice with the first run, and then the O-line was just, just manhandling them. So it was, it, was, it was a good sight to see. By the time we get to game day, it will have been 19 days between games. Are you guys itching to play right now? Oh, for sure. No, we're, ex- we're excited to play. Ever since uh, we got that little – that little thing that happened last week, it was just like, dang. But we just got to have our minds right, get our minds right, still practice, still do what we can to be safe, and then uh, getting our minds right to beat Troy. I know you said some great comments in the Athletic article about uh, you talking about relative to your shoe and what you wrote on, I'm playing for those battling cancer. And that article was really good talking about uh, your grandpa and a teacher from school. Will you, will you tell people kind of why it is and, and how you feel about those with cancer and how you as a football player can help them in some way? You know, it's just cancer is a big thing, big thing, a big, big, well, I would say, I would say disease, really, because it just it can hit anyone out of nowhere, especially for my grandpa and especially for all the unfortunates. 
that actually have it. But it's just writing that thing on my on my shoe. I don't I don't write it for free. It's always whatever I write on my shoe is uh, is a meaning. But you know, I put a star on the on the U on that little U right there. So, but I would say really just it re- really means a lot a lot to me. And just I play play for my family, play for my friends, play for players on the team that whoever's whoever's dealing with that and their parents and just whoever really in general in the world is playing for them just to know that they have my support for sure always great to play with a greater purpose absolutely tell me this how does a kid that ran for almost 2500 yards and 29 tds not get an awesome scholarship out of high school like what i'm glad byu found you and that you're here and that you're a running back but your stats were incredible as a senior man yeah it was all right it was all right, but I was kind of kind of sleep slept on in high school. But I just trusted the process, came to BYU, and then just trusted God, believed in. Uh, I live off this scripture, Philippians four thirteen, which is uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and just believing in God and uh, just letting Him lead the path, and then just staying humble, and then which got me to to here right now. Hey, you got an amen for me, man. Amen to that. Um, what, you're on scholarship, I assume, right? Yeah. When yeah. were you told you had a scholarship? What was that like? It was after they switched me back to running back, and then I performed pretty pretty well against Hawaii. And then I t- and then I talked to Coach Kalani, and then he was like, "Yeah, once the numbers, once we see who graduates, who graduates, and all that, then we should have one for you." And then that week, starting that winter, I ended up getting put on. So, so this last winter, there. like nine months ago. Yeah. Congratulations, yeah. man. That's well, awesome. I appreciate that. And absolutely deserved. Absolutely. What is it with the Fontana boys with BYU? Devon Blackman, Jamal Williams, Sione Takitaki, maybe I'm missing someone, Tyler Algier. Fontana represent, right? Yeah, I gotta love, gotta love the hometown, but just glad. Just trying to make it out, make it out, play for the city and all that. So you guys already played a game without fans, so obviously you kind of can replicate that situation, but do you feel like it'll be a little different at home? where, hey, you were kind of expecting it, and now you don't, and you have to kind of create that energy? I would say not really. I would just say bring more juice than we did at Navy, especially playing at the legendary Lavelle Edwards Stadium because, you know, home's home. Home's home, Provo's home. So I'll say just bring the bring more energy than we did at Navy and we should have a fun game. Troy has the second most takeaways of any defense since 2016 in FBS. I mean, incredible, 106. What have you guys talked about in terms of ball security this week, given how good they are at that? Uh, honestly, ball security, is, ball security is not really – or it's always been a big thing for us. So, really just – we haven't really heard heard anything about that because we already know – especially now, since, since you said that, we just know just hold the ball tighter. You know, ball security is our, our job. So, like, if we let them have the ball, then that's bad news for us. But – just having the ball, ball, ball security, job security, what they say. So it's right there. That's true. That's part of the job, right? You're getting paid to hold on to that ball. Well, good luck against Troy. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma. And I hope you can sustain the 9.4 yards of carry. That'd be a tremendous season. Oh, appreciate it. Tyler Algier on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline via Zoom with Jerem Jordan. Hey, nine yards of carry, is that too much to ask? 
five would be awesome, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and he's playing for more than himself. But he, he has he has had such a strong start to the season in that one game, and it was such a surprise. It's like, wow, we heard he was good, but that was incredible. And right now, minimum ten carries nationally. He's fifth in the country at nine point four. I mean, you guys, you have guys from West Virginia, Georgia Southern, Miami Army, and then there's Tyler Algier at five nine point four. Man, he was so good. And this BYU offensive line obviously was the key, as he mentioned. No Tristan Hodge, so at least the right guard out for BYU. We think the O-line has some good depth, so I think that could be tested. We're going to find out, right? I, I'm actually excited to see that, the, some of the backups play. So we'll see how BYU is impacted in that way. He's easy to root for, isn't he? Tyler Alger, humble, hardworking, great Two story. Years as a walk-on? Yes. Wow. Didn't get really any offers of note I, out of high school. I don't get it. 2,500 yards, 29 touchdowns. You don't get an offer as a running back somewhere that's decent? He's Are not you? fast enough. Excuse what? me? Did you like, see him against Navy? Like, oh, his hips were stiff, whatever. His hips weren't stiff 29 times into the end zone. What are you talking about? <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. It's time to play Know the Foe. Troy Trojans edition. Sports Nation asks, do you know the foe? No. Typically we don't. No, we don't know. We're going to do our best. I read the game notes and that's it. All right, Ben Bagley, bring in your voice of wisdom here because you're the man with all the knowledge about Troy and test our expertise. Well, as always, during the break, a coin flip was uh, produced by our law firm, Dewey Cheatham and Howe, and Spencer won the toss and he will be going first. So Spencer... We'll go with question number one. What is larger, the population of the city of Troy, Alabama, or the enrollment of day students at BYU? Mm. I'm going to go with the enrollment of day students at BYU. About 33,000. 33,511 to Troy, 18,957. So almost by double. Wow. That's a point. Okay. All right. Jerem, does Troy have more NAIA national championships or NCAA Division II national championships in football? Uh, wow. I know they have at least one of each in the game notes. I'll go NAI. Oh, that would be okay. D2, 1984. You know, you know, you like that D1 year. and D2 champs matching yes. up. Yes. G- game note. 1987, NAIA in 1968. Oh, wow. Okay. Nice. I would have guessed NAIA hey. too. D2 versus D1 champs from 84 matching up Saturday night. Let's go. There's a note. Spencer, what was the original nickname of Troy Athletics? The Red Wave, the Trojans, the Teachers, or the Wildcats? The Red Wave. Please do Wildcats for high school music. Oh, you got the reference. No, it's the Teachers. The Teachers? The Troy Teachers. The Teachers. (laughs) Everybody on the bus! Look out. They have prepared really well for this game. The Red Wave was actually their second nickname. Ah, see, I knew that was in there somewhere. All right, Jerem. The movie Troy stars Brad Pitt, who plays Achilles in the story of the sacking of the city of Troy. Yes. True or false, Pitt, as Achilles, tore his Achilles tendon in filming of the movie. Oh. False. Mm. That is a true story. <laughs> no way. I thought you were throwing me a, a no slurp there. No way. Nope, wow. That is an actual true piece of fact. <sighs> and Matt Bushman did too. All right, that's going to give Spencer the win. one nothing, and know the foe. <laughs> <laughs> now it's time to make some predictions. Our prop picks. 
And keep in mind, the standings going into week number two or game number two, it's like week number five, but game week number, number two. number 17. <laughs> Jerem and I tied at five apiece. Jason Shepard with four points. All right. Let's bring in Ben Bagley to present the fun. All right, guys, we'll start here. We'll start with our first prop pick. It is, oh, by the way, the standings, you gave the standings. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the first one is more receptions by Gunner Romney or rushing attempts by Gunnar Watson. Let's call him Gunnar. Gunnar. I like that. Uh, Gunnar Watson rushed eight times. uh, Four were sacked. He was sacked four times. I think it will be Gunnar Watson because I think BYU will have a few sacks and he'll rush a few times. I don't see a like a like an eight reception day for Gunnar Romney. I'm taking a chance on this one. I'm going to go Gunnar Romney nice. receptions just because I feel like Troy is going to tempt BYU to throw the ball a lot more by stacking the box against that offensive line and run game. Don't tempt me, Frodo. And Jason is with you, Jeremy. He's going to go with Gunnar. Gunnar. Watson. Gunnar. Yes. I'll yes. give you a sack of a dollar if you say it tomorrow. Gunnar loves the ganache. All right, prop pick number two. More combined turnovers or BYU punts in the game. Ooh, this one's fun. BYU punted once versus Navy, so I am going to go punts. I think BYU will punt more in this. I don't think it'll be once. There's a scenario where there could be like three combined turnovers. It would only take four punts to beat that. Right. The conservative pick here feels like BYU punts, and that's what I'm choosing. And Jason's going turnovers. (laughs) Ever Not the surprising. We love yeah. it. Yep. All right. Number three. Both teams scored TDs in their opening drives of the season. Which team scores a TD first on Saturday? I think it's Brigham. I think BYU gets a stop on Troy in the opening drive, and then BYU scores. Although I wouldn't be shocked if Troy just marched, took the opening kickoff. Because remember, I just told you, they are going to. Troy will have the ball first tomorrow. If they win the toss, they're going to receive. If BYU wins the toss, they'll defer. And kick to Troy, but it'll be BYU. I still like BYU's chances as the team to score the first touchdown. Troy might score the first points with a field goal. I could see that happening. As you mentioned, they like to take the ball on the opening kickoff. I think BYU scores the first touchdown. That makes it a clean sweep with Jason also taking BYU, which means one of two things is going to happen. Troy's going to score the first touchdown, (laughs) or no TDs will be scored. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. All right, last one. Will BYU cover the 14-point spread? I could see this going either way. I know your answer, so I went against the grain. I'm saying no. I'm saying no just to be different and to try and get a point. I could see where BYU blows this open and looks awesome and climbs into the top, you know, like 16 of the eight people. But I, I can also see Troy being sneaky and doing their thing and tempo and turnovers equalizing this game and this being a, still a BYU win but not by 14-plus. Jerem, correct me if I'm wrong. I always do. In 2014, <laughs> when you, BYU was ranked number no. 18, yes. Utah State beat BYU 35-20, to 20, a 15-point yes. spread. Yes. BYU is going to reverse that trend as the number 18 team in the country and win by 15 or more. Mm-hmm. Might be 35-20, might be 37-21, but they're, they're going to cover the 14 At least spread. it's not 17. No 17. No 17. No, no. 17s no, no, involved. No, no, no. All right, those are your prop and, and picks. And Jason said yes, by the way. Jason, of course he said yes. <laughs> of course he said BYU's going to score the first touchdown. Of course he said that uh, there'd be more turnovers than BYU punts. <laughs> He's expecting a blowout, clearly. Yes. BYU by a hunt. <laughs> that wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast 
every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio. 